Greetings, relatives. My name is Melissa Nelson, and I'm your host and gardener of the Native Seed Podcast. Welcome to the Native Seed Pod, a podcast aimed at celebrating the diversity and beauty of native seeds, soils, and indigenous foods. Leos and and Chanyam. Hello, relatives. This is Sarah. Welcome back to all of our listeners, our community, our relatives, and our friends. This is season two of the Native Seed Pod, our amazing winter storyscape, sitting around the fire at the feet of our elders, listening to a good exchange of story, knowledge, and shared wisdom across the world. Good morning. I am here with two wonderful dear friends and colleagues and mentors and allies, Lois Ellen Frank and Walter Whitewater, uh, two culinary ambassadors, native chefs, native health educators, uh, historians, uh, farmers. Um, There's hardly anything that these two do not do that really works to support the health and well-being of Native peoples and all peoples uh, on planet Earth, on Mother Earth. So I'm here with them to talk about their extraordinary work as Native chefs, and they will introduce themselves. So welcome, Walter and Lois. It's so good to be here with you today. Good morning. My name is Walter Whitewater. I'm Dene. I'm from a place called Pinyon, Arizona. And a little that I um, I learn and still continue on learning and love to share that with you and everybody out there. Good morning. Uh, my name is Lois Ellen Frank, and I am from the Kiowa Nation on my mom's side, and I'm Sephardic on my dad's side. And I am a classically trained chef with an undergraduate degree in photography and a PhD, sort of an anomaly, a doctor chef uh, in culinary anthropology, focusing on Native American cuisine and how Native people's food has moved through history and evolved over time and changed and what we're doing with it now. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today. And here we are in downtown Reno, Nevada, on the lands of the Paiute and the Shoshone and the Washoe peoples. And what brought us to um, this beautiful land today? And why are we here? I know that you both have been busy and working really hard. Uh, We did an extraordinary event last night. And uh, I'd love to hear uh, what brought us all together at this time it's a gathering of uh, a place to where we learn from each other and to share what we have um, learned and um, with food and getting to know one another about our culture 
We um, were invited by the University of Nevada at Reno, and uh, yesterday we did an amazing food tasting where we served uh, some traditional dishes. We've met some amazingly wonderful people, some young men that we uh, took under our wing, um, Jordan and Cody, and uh, worked with them on putting out local foods from the region, uh, as well as some Native American foods that are accessible healthy, easy to make, um, showing the people how to reclaim and revitalize food for indigenous health. And then we did a uh, conversation and a talk uh, last night with you, Melissa, um, and uh, it was quite wonderful. Yes, it was an incredible event. We were invited here by the fabulous Deb Harry, Dr. Deb Harry, uh, Pyramid Lake Paiute leader, uh, professor, teacher, activist, and she really wanted to highlight uh, indigenous health ways, life ways, and your cooking uh, processes to teach with the local community here uh, because they just brought together uh, wonderful Native voices uh, national health exhibit at the University Medical Library, which is really incredible. We did this food is medicine presentation, as Lois mentioned yesterday, uh, to, to, to really demonstrate how to cook with traditional foods in a pragmatic way. What I love about Lois and Walter's approach to native foods is that anyone can do it, and you can get basic ingredients even at local stores, even at Walmart or Costco that now has organic corn and other ingredients and they show you step-by-step -step practical ways that you can incorporate native food into your daily diet and so please tell me a little bit more about the foods that you cooked and prepared for people those ingredients and you know what would you advise people native people who are you know still struggling finding access to their traditional foods and how they can incorporate them into their daily diet Well, we did uh, a variety of foods, and as we were uh, constructing the menu, we wanted to know what foods were indigenous here in this area and very sacred to the tribes that live in this basin, um, the local ecology, and we wanted to fully understand uh, access to these foods. And so uh, we were able to uh, have uh, Cody and his family fish. Uh, we had trout from Pyramid Lake, and uh, we used that with watercress, uh, pine nuts, which we toasted, and then we did bring in some wild berries. Uh, we served uh, blueberries on the salad, but we used a wild huckleberry. So again, bringing in those trade routes and the idea that Native people traded, and they traded much more extensively and much further than originally anticipated. And there's a lot 
of buzz going on right now about ingredients that have gone as far north as Canada, even though they may have originated in South America, like quinoa, as well as other foods that we traded amongst each other. So we're very big on incorporating that, keeping that alive. And then uh, we were fortunate to have uh, venison, which um, Cody's brother Jordan hunted, and Walter marinated that in a spice rub. And we used the local pine needles from the pinyon or pine tree here from the pine nuts. And uh, then we seared that. And you really got the essence and the smell of the pine uh, on the meat and in the rub as Walter seared it yesterday. And then we served that with a choke cherry sauce. But in addition to the choke cherries, because choke cherries are very difficult to harvest and there's not that many of them, uh, we used 100% uh, cherry juice and a dried tart cherry, like a wild cherry, and reduced that down with the choke cherries so that we could show people if they weren't able to harvest or didn't have access to our sacred wild choke cherries that they could still make a dish like this. And then, oddly enough, the sleeper dish and the one that I think people liked the most, and you never know this going into an event, was acorn squash, which we roasted. And we roasted it upside down, so we cut those squash in half with a little water so it keeps the squash really moist. And then after that squash gets soft, we turned it over and used uh, indigenous maple syrup, honoring some of the tribes that go north and east of where we are, and then garnish that with toasted chopped pecans. Of course, the pecan being another Native American and indigenous nut a little bit to the south of us. And that was one of the, the most delicious, amazing, simple, easy to make native dishes that I think everybody could make everywhere. Uh, and we finished it off with a three sister stew, corn, beans, and squash. We used the brown and white bavi or the tepary bean from the Tohono O'odham in southern Arizona, uh, some summer squash, zucchini, some um, organic frozen yellow corn kernels. We wanted to be able to make a stew that everybody could make and people could have access to and then garnish that with a little red chili and slow cooked it. Uh, the young men gave us some elk. So we actually made two versions of that, one which was completely plant-based and one which had this delicious elk meat that was slowly cooked uh, in, in the stew. And uh, Walter cooked it, so I'm going to pass the mic to him and let him talk a little bit about the experience of the cooking process and that meat and the smells and the aromas uh, from that. The preparation was um, that we did, um, everything was like being, um, it humbles you before you um, start cooking and just something that you kind of like step back and how these, um, um, the food will, will turn out and like to, um, Lois talked about the the, the uh, venison that we used uh, juniper, and that was just a, the last minute thing that we we'd add in, into it, you know, because they they're, they're up on the mountain, they they room and what they eat, and that's I wanted to make that there's a flavor that will will go with it. So that's just something that I that I did, and then it it really went well working with the family and coming together, and. 
what we learn and what, how they do it and and combining those those two together and I think um, so the, it was a just a exciting education for for those two boys that um, um, that we uh, that we work with you know just to educate them and realize how much work it goes into it and time people don't realize how much work that goes into until you start cooking it and start you working with it and then and you notice then you appreciate things what goes on on the table so it's that's about it That feast was just extraordinary. You both did an amazing job. I mean, we were basically in a, a library conference room. There was no even kitchen there. And the two of you with the, the two young, wonderful men, Cody and Jordan, really did a like five course, five star restaurant meal for about 50 people, I think. There were lots of students from the university, a lot of tribal members from the local uh, tribal colony. Uh, there were um, professors, teachers, and um, everyone absolutely loved it. Uh, I've never tasted, you know, meat as good as what you guys make, Walter. And it was actually about 19 years ago, I think in 2001, when I first met you both at a similar Native Foods event in Winslow, Arizona. It was a very early Slow Food USA event, I think at the invitation of Gary Paul Nabhan and others. And you were cooking a buffalo tenderloin and I had been a committed vegetarian up to that point. And my uh, Apache sister, Yolanda Nunez, said, you should eat some. It's going to be good. And I said, you know, it is my traditional food. As an Anishinaabe Chippewa woman, I should check it out. One of my ancestral names is actually a buff buffalo hunting people. So I remember taking one bite of that buffalo tenderloin, and it was like life went from black and white to color. It was like a rainbow of flavors. And uh, I've been able to enjoy your the way you prepare native wild meat with so much respect and humility and love it's a completely different kind of experience and i love one of your take-home messages yesterday was less but better quality so rather than eating you know meat every day or even once a week from you know a fast food restaurant or out really wait for those special occasions and eat traditionally gathered if possible meat or traditionally raised meat that has been honored with that love and respect and that honorable harvest and the way you care for it so tenderly when you prepare it Walter and and cook it and the the salt rubs and the chili rubs that you put on it and the roasting process that integrity is such medicine which was the theme of the day food is medicine so if you could both share a little bit about what it means to you food is medicine I think that message has been lost, and it's time that we revitalize that again. Uh, this is the perfect segue to talk about uh, the foods that we served and, and, and how we feel about the food and honoring the food and the idea that food is medicine. And for many Native people, including uh, myself, food... Uh, is what heals us. Food is what 
nurtures us. Food is not only substance, it's our connection to our tribal roots. It's our connection to the earth. It's our connection to each other as humans uh, and the earth that we share with the winged and the four-legged and the others, uh, as well as the plants, all these nations, and honoring them. And, you know, when we talk about Native people and, and, and what's going on uh, with the food and the deviation from the traditional diet, this idea of revitalizing and reclaiming our traditional foods and our traditional diet uh, is all about this food as medicine and the movement of Native American foods and foodways. And as we reclaim these and reintroduce them and share them and help others to reclaim and revitalize in their own communities, uh, what we're doing is really uh, a cultural revolution, a cultural revitalization, because it's not just the food, it's everything attached to the food. Uh, what is the protocol for hunting and what is the protocol for harvesting wild plants or medicinal plants? And so the songs and the stories and the physical things like a planting stick or a basket or a pot to cook the sacred foods in or the the branches of pine that we use to season and the smell. And so it's very experiential and it awakens in us who we are and uh, who we are and who we always have been, our stewards of this wonderful planet and this wonderful place uh, that we all relate to each in our own tribal way uh, of where we come from and honoring that and bringing that back. And so it's not really a diet. It's not really uh, a revitalization of just the food. It's the revitalization of everything attached and associated uh, with the food. And so health and wellness and nutrition and food is medicine. And this whole metaphor is something much larger than the ingredients. It's about handling those ingredients and processing those ingredients and uh, in order to have healthy food you need a healthy environment and you need healthy water and you need healthy animals and you need healthy people and so uh, it's it's a way of life it's cultural and it's a revitalization of all of those things and so when we talk about medicine and we talk about food uh, it's huge and it's very important uh, to be able to do this. And I think Walter and I are both committed and dedicated our lives to educating not only small children, uh, college students. I'm teaching again this semester the Institute of American Indian Arts, my indigenous food class, and changing lives. And one of my students from IAIA was there last night, Taylor Baker. And it's just amazing to see the circle and the concentric circles and how we're all in this together and we're all related uh, to one another and, and how we need partnerships. We need indigenous partnerships and we need to work together to accomplish uh, the work that's ahead of us.
for me, food is the medicine. It means um, it's the word how we look at. You know, we have to look back and stand back and look at look at the the whole thing. I think the medicine to me is um, when you make an offering before you uh, take an animal down. You know, um, before everything um, you sacrifice all that, and you um, on behalf of your time that you're going to be be doing preparing the work and all that. And that's something that um, years ago my um, I, I cooked with my dad, you know, at the time when he was around. And um, so we're, we're cooking away, and then he picked up some herbs and another one. And I said, where'd you get these? And uh, that's when I began to tell him about. Then he said, didn't you know this is what we use in our ceremony to heal people with? And there are certain parts that whatever it is related to that type of um, sickness so these are the herbs that we use and then he told me not only that then I started to realize the whole thing putting it together through through a couple months and putting it together and it's not only there and we make our offerings the food that we plant we uh, like with the corn you know that's our offering before we take an animal down we make our offerings and these are the medicine that we use. This is, these are the medicine that we, we heal people with. And we use our tobacco. But in our, in our ceremonies, there's certain seeds that we use in our food that we, that we cook with. And that's how I realized, oh, food is our medicine. Is it? And that's the way I, 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 I translate um, the food. Not only that, you know. And then it, it closes us, and then it does a lot of things that nothing goes to waste when we use it. And the, the, the sound of that hide when you're beating on it, you know, when you're singing it, you know, it comes with the song, it comes with the stories, it comes with the teaching, everything that comes comes with it that I that I know of and that I, I experienced seeing um, with um, with our food and throughout, you know, the years when you cook with other chefs or whatever the food that, that you're doing, working in different restaurants, you never learn these things. I never learned any, anything like that in a different way. But when I came back to my own native way, I realized it's not only about cooking. It's more than um, there's stories, there's songs, there's teaching. There's ways that, that you bring people back together. When you see, when you hear... Um, when you're singing, you see people shedding their tears, you know, about remembering who knows what, but, you know, that heals people with, that brings us back together. That, for me, and that's the, the healing of the, the, the food that we, we use and, and what it does. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for that eloquent uh, description and examples of food as medicine. And, you know, the world is blessed that you share this wisdom and these teachings and these from very pragmatic, how to shop, how to cook, to very philosophical about, you know, these ways of life that we need to incorporate to heal ourselves and to heal our communities. And you do this work as uh, culinary ambassadors for the U.S. State Department, or at least you have while that department was um, 
supported by the the federal government and you you teach peace through food you've done this around the world and i think that is so extraordinary and if you could tell us a little bit about your journeys as uh culinary ambassadors and what that means to you and some of the places you've been to and any highlights from those experiences maybe some of the challenges cross-culturally with food funny stories or some of the really you know aha moments that you saw with people from across the planet that you were able to share your your food as medicine uh, with for me what stands out the most uh, well the most recent trip for us was uh, to Russia we went to st. Petersburg and we worked uh, and taught students on an international level at a culinary academy a culinary school and they were very young and, and in their career and starting out and what we noticed the most uh, as we did um, not only working with the students but uh, a tasting for chefs from all around the city was that they were trying to do other cultures foods and when we asked them what does your grandmother make what is the food that your babushka cooks for you and what are those flavors and what are those ingredients not only did it bring up a lot of emotion but it brought up a thought process of the chefs wondering why they couldn't cook their local and regional ethnic cuisines and how when people go to a place what you really want to eat is the essence of that place the foodscape for lack of a better way to define that and the foodscape of course being uh, attached to the land and the land base so it's place-based and then this idea of sovereignty or food sovereignty attached and when we brought this up many of the chefs decided that they were going to start to reincorporate and reinvigorate some of these foods the local wild strawberries for instance, and some of the berries. And so a lot of what we do is plant seeds of hope uh, in places. We show them what we do and what success stories have worked in native cultures and encourage them to do the same thing that we're doing uh, in a different part of the world. And um, when you travel so we fed Russians a traditional tamale and through translation we had to tell them that you don't eat the outside that's the corn husk you only eat the inside um, but how would you know if you had never been exposed to that so through diplomacy through food not only are we connecting, we're breaking bread, we're forming relations and relationships and families. And once you realize that you're much more alike than you are different and that that's your relative, how could you ever do anything to harm or go against that relation because you're family? And so it really is about the acknowledgement of how much alike we are. And I'm going to let Walter talk a little bit about Ukraine, but we went into the tribal and very traditional areas of, of Ukraine with the Hutsul people. And 
I think they must have been Walter's lost relatives because they're sheep herders. And they were so much alike, and their weavings were almost Diné or Navajo. And, and I'm going to let Walter talk about that. But that was another magical experience. Uh, my experience was that, that really um, when I saw Hogan there, when we were traveling way up in, in the mountains before, um, and I thought that was like the guy that uh, the person that um, doing the tour. He he says so many times I've been on this road, I never seen that whole gun was there. And I said, yeah. Then you know you you could really see it. And then just when we go into the mountain, how people lived, and it was sim similarity to how we we do back home on the reservation as being as Dene or Navajo, and then the, the artwork and all the things that um, um, we do, there's a similarity to that, you know? And then there's something that I, I, uh, I experienced that maybe the language or whatever it is, it's different, you know? And there's things that we have that grows here, it grows there. And I've seen a, a bird there, the sacred bird that we use, and you see it there, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and just kind of it makes you like you appreciate a lot of things to what you're there for, and to bring it back to your people and to to share it with. And I think that's for me. That's my big um, highlight when I go to different country. I want it to taste the food or the clothing or the way they they, they speak the language or the the stories that they talked about. That's something that I always look at things of that. I wanted to to have whatever it is that the way they have it there, you know, and just something to to experience because I'm not going to be there again. Who knows? But overall is sharing as one, sharing as one story, you know, and I think that that, that really connects us with food and what food does and the way I always tell people the food doesn't see colors, you know. It's just all in one. It's all in one, one circle, all in one beat, as as the word is. And just something that I always um, look at things in that way. Wow, that's such a beautiful way of putting it, Walter and and Lois. Rich experiences, and that food does not see color, right? And food is so generous, and that's been a theme of this Native Seed podcast with Rowan White and Robin Kimmerer and everyone. Just the earth is so generous, and how do we model and emulate our generosity? And you two are always doing that with feeding everybody in the building. And if someone walks by the street, hey, are you hungry? You need some food? And you're so generous. I know I benefit from your international travels. When you came back from Russia, you gifted me with these beautiful birch bark baskets and brooches that were so similar to our Ojibwe birch bark work. It was just uncanny. So again, there's an example of that, you know, that native tree that is so generous and we can use its bark for so many containers and artwork. And I cherish those. So thank you again. And that's something that the Northern people all share with that birch bark, um, the wigwas. Uh, so you really teach peace through food. Um, you teach that food is medicine and that we're all connected through Mother Earth in that way.
That was such a treat to hear Walter and Lois. And stay tuned for part two, which we will air next week. The Native Seed Pod is produced by the Cultural Conservancy with generous support by Tamil Pius Trust. To contribute to our polyculture and to find out more information, please visit us at nativeseedpod.org or nativeland.org. and acknowledge the wonderful song generously shared by Walter Whitewater. Thank you, Walter. And I want to acknowledge the lovely instrumental music in this episode as well. That piece was composed by Colin Farish, who plays guitar, drums, and shaker. And John Carlos Perea performs on the cedar flute. Colin Farish is also the sound engineer and acoustical ecologist for the Native Seed Pod. And now I want to recognize and thank the other wonderful members of the Native Seed Pod production team, Sarah Moncada, Mateo Inojosa, and Teo Montoya, and of course myself, Melissa Nelson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Happy winter solstice to all.